0: about uh, the end and peace and all the technical and fun details that come with it. Um, we pray that you fill our hearts with joy and um, with hospitality for all people. In your holy name we pray, amen. Well, um, I found a great story about our speaker today on the congressional website, uh, cemetery website. I thought I'd start with that. <laughs> um, Lily Berkel, uh, was once Berkeley, Bar- Berkeley. Berkeley sorry, uh, was once tasked with writing her own funeral. As a freshman in college many years ago, took the assignment a little too far. By the end of it, she had interviewed every mortician in the small South Georgia town created her dream funeral, which is now lost on a floppy disk somewhere. She knows it included a gospel choir scene graveside and being buried in the 73 Cadillac she was driving at the time. Lily ignored signs from the universe for a good 20 years. A Meyer Briggs style test said that funeral director would be the perfect career for her. She scoffed at the results. Somewhere after having two girls um, and her last fundraising gig, Lily prefers death to fundraising, she started to listen. Lily has been in the funeral service for seven years now. She can't imagine doing anything else. She's a licensed mortician in DC, Maryland, and Virginia. She's absolutely thrilled to be the new director of site sales and funerals at her hands-down favorite cemetery in town, which is the Congressional Cemetery. Please join me in welcoming our speaker today, Lily.
1: Good morning. Can everybody hear me okay? Well, congressional might be my favorite cemetery, but um, St. Columba's (laughs) I think would be my favorite church. If I tell my mom who is here today and she is a good Catholic, that (laughs) if I had been raised Episcopalian, I'd probably still be one, so. (laughs) Um, but seriously, I feel the community in this church, it feels like a real church to me, and you guys are real do-gooders, and it goes a long way, so thank you for having me. Um, the plan for today is, I want we're going to talk about death, you know, but I really want to give you a mental blueprint of what to do when it happens, and I think it's easiest to think through a particular person in your life that these scenarios would apply to, so you can kind of think through it on a personal level. could be somebody in your family, it could be yourself, a spouse, but have somebody in mind when we talk through what you're going to do and what the next steps are. Um, And then we'll also talk about green burial options. I'm a big fan of, especially, That's one of the reasons why I wanted to go to Congressional Cemetery. It's the only cemetery in D.C. that allows for true green burial, so um, we'll definitely spend some time talking about that as well. Uh, The pictures you'll see on my slides, some of them are personal photos, and some are from Library of Congress, and I will try to tell you about them as we go through them. Uh, Reverend Josh says that most of the time people ask questions afterwards. If you have a burning question that needs to be asked on a slide, just raise your hand. It's, you know, it could be more of a conversation. This first picture is actually from the natural burial ground where my dad is buried in Georgia, Honey Creek Woodlands. And here I am. Um, This is me at the cemetery on—that would be not a great day at the cemetery. When I'm on a backhoe, there's something wrong. But, um, and this is me alone, a COVID—I spent so many COVID funerals completely alone, just me in the casket at, at the cemetery that I would try to document for the family who could not be there. So I find that what gets written about in funeral service so often is what's coming, you know, the shooting your ashes out of a cannon or um, the mushroom suit. And they make for great stories and great articles. I just don't find that that's the phone call I get or I would get at the funeral home, that people aren't asking about that. They're asking really basic questions about what their next steps are, who to call, um, and so I want to talk a little bit about that to give you a better sense of it. I feel like there is nothing more cutting edge than, than knowing exactly what you want and having a plan for it and then communicating it to the people in your life. That's the most cutting edge thing to me. This is actually um, a picture at, um, this is Gate of Heaven, a Catholic cemetery. And it's actually a great example of why most cemeteries they don't want to be green because they want that perfect flat ground. Do you see how nice and flat their ground is? (laughs) It's because everybody buried there is buried buried at least in a grave liner or a vault, and that supports the earth. And that's the main barrier for most cemeteries, not allowing people to do a true green burial. Um, This photo actually, this is a COVID funeral where I was there alone, and at that point in the pandemic, when there was so much fear in the very heart of it, at this cemetery, they would have their grounds crew come out in complete hazmat suits. You know, they looked like beekeepers in the white suits. And they would dump bleach on the casket, and then they would put the casket straight into the liner, and then they would drop it, <clears throat> lower the casket the minute we got there, and nobody was allowed in. This photo is, um, this is a great historic cemetery in DC. It's worth walking around and taking a look at the carvings in their trees. Glenwood Cemetery, it's a historic cemetery off of North Capitol Street. And they honor the fallen trees at the cemetery by bringing in a chainsaw artist who does amazing carvings into the trees. It's definitely worth walking around. I think we all are familiar with this statistic. It's happening for all of us. We will all die, 100% of us. Um, So we're going to just talk a little bit about our goals today, knowing your options, knowing the very, very first steps to take when that time comes. This is a photo from 1930s funeral home in Washington, DC of somebody with an amazing floral bouquet. and of course, Arlington Cemetery. So for this part, I want you to have your person in mind. Your person has just just died, and I want you to know who you're calling. (laughs) A lot of who you call first is determined by where your person dies. If you are at home and on hospice care, you're going to call your hospice nurse first, right? Um, If you're at a nursing home or an assisted living facility, they're going to have staff on hand who are going to be there. Because your first first task is to have your person pronounced, okay. And then if the death is unattended or unexpected, it happens somewhere else outside of a medical facility or at home on hospice, that's when the police or medical examiner are going to be involved. If you have somebody in your life who is terminal, um, I highly, highly, highly recommend getting them put under hospice care. It does not mean they have to die right away, it just means they get more support. It is a designation which gives you more support um, and it simplifies things in the end. So if somebody dies at home and they're not under hospice care, you're calling the police instead of the hospice nurse to come pronounce. And when the police come, then they've got their police hats on. They have to treat it as a scene. They have to talk to the people there. And it creates a completely different experience in that very tender moment. So please get get your person under hospice care. This is another picture from Glenwood. So do you have to be picked up right away? No, you don't actually. But it depends on where you are. If you're at a nursing home, most nursing homes in this area will give you three to four hours to be picked up before they want their bed back. That's their general rule. If you are at home under hospice care, you could request what's called a delayed transfer from the funeral home. And you could say, I want you to come tomorrow afternoon. And you could take That evening with your person, you could do a mini-wake. You can kind of slow things down. Things don't have to happen immediately. A lot of times people feel a frenzy after death occurs that the minute that person dies, they have to get them out of the house. They have to move on to the next thing, and you, you don't. You can pause for a minute, you can take that time. If somebody's driving in from New York to say goodbye, let them, you can take that time. So as long as the person has been pronounced They were under hospice care. They were pronounced under hospice care. The funeral home has been notified. You can just ask they come later. They don't have to come immediately. Now, sometimes people are ready for that person. Maybe they've been there, you know, for weeks on end, and maybe they are ready. You know, it just depends on your personal situation, but I don't want you to feel like you can't pause if you want to. And then in D.C. and Virginia, uh, it really depends on the hospital. Sometimes it depends on how full their fridge is at that point, how full the morgue is. There's not a real set time. They'll generally work with the family a week, sometimes even two weeks at a D.C. hospital. Virginia hospital may be closer to a week or so. Maryland has very strict rules. Um, 72 hours from the time of death. You need to be picked up. And if you're not picked up, sometimes you can negotiate an extra day, but after 72 hours, your person would be transferred to the anatomy board in Baltimore. This is a picture of Domains, which is an Alexandria funeral home. It's been around for a long time. So, the type of funeral home that you call is gonna, depend greatly on the type of service that you want. If you want a full traditional funeral service and you need a funeral home that has a lot of staff and vehicles and they have um, wheelchair access for people with mobility issues, you wanna wake at the funeral home, then you might want a place that has a nicer facility, full staff, all of that. If you're looking for just a simple cremation, which is called a direct cremation, you might not need that. And um, that should come into play in your thought process. Um, One way to gauge how expensive or inexpensive a funeral home is, is the basic services fee. The basic services fee appears on every general price list that a funeral home has. Funeral home price lists are all regulated by the Federal Trade Commission, believe it or not, because there were so many bad actors in the industry for so long and um, this is the one non-declinable fee on a, a general price, price list of a funeral home. So that's their overhead cost. And that's a good way to gauge from, if, you're, if you had three different price lists in hand, you could say, okay, this, this is clearly the more expensive place, this is the less expensive place. Um, that's a good way to gauge that. When you're talking to the funeral director, the mortician, the basic information you need to know about your person that could be asked over the phone or at that arrangement conference are these items here. And I can, a lot of people always want this list afterwards, so um, Reverend Joshua, I'm glad to give y'all a list, but this is something you'd wanna have in your file. I can guarantee you your children do not know your your maiden name. I don't know why. (laughs) Some things just don't get passed down from generation to generation, but you would not be surprised at how many relatives who are making that first phone call don't have that basic information. They can't find social security number. They don't know your mother's name, your father's name. Um, They're unsure about your occupation. So these would be basic things that you want to keep in your file, and that way, when that moment comes, you're not frantically trying to gather that basic information. This is a picture of Frederick Douglass' death certificate, um, February 20th, 1895. and He died of a heart attack, I believe. I can read that. So death certificates. How many death certificates do you need? This depends greatly on the number of assets, accounts, property that you have. Most people need about 10. Some people who have really simplified everything, you could get away with maybe five. Um, And then some people need 25, but that's not most. Most people need around 10. But you're gonna need original copies for some financial institutions, and for some, they'll just take a copy. Um, in DC, you can actually request death certificates where the cause has been omitted, which uh, I had a, a family where the cause of death was determined um, to be by suicide, and she didn't wanna have to close his Facebook account, and reveal something that was so painful to her. Um, So in DC, you can actually request for copies that have the cause omitted, and it does come in handy sometimes. You're gonna need that real copy, that certified copy from the state with the state seal or stamp on it um, for life insurance, pension, property, 401k, Oftentimes, local banks will take just a copy. They might take the original, make a copy, and give it back to you. Same for utilities and credit cards. The funeral home will give you a proof. Check it well. It's really easy to make simple errors when you're in the middle of grief. It just, you don't think clearly. Um, Get a friend to look over it for you, too. And then when you go to the funeral home, If you're doing a simple cremation, there's a chance that you could handle everything over the phone. That's not totally uncommon. But when you go in for a more traditional service, that's where sort of the nuts and bolts of that service are going to be discussed. Will there be a visitation or a wake? Um, What's your timeline? What's the flow of the service? Are you gonna be bringing in the clothing you want your person to wear? How did they wear their hair, makeup? Will there be pallbearers? And then selecting caskets or an urn. Um, You can order your own casket. Legally, you don't have to get a casket through the funeral home. They would much rather you get a casket for the funeral home. They make a whole lot more money off the caskets when you get it through the funeral home. But there are many online casket retailers I have not seen a big difference in quality uh, in those caskets when they come. A lot of times um, we'll ask somebody from the family to show up when it's being delivered so that we can just confirm this is the casket you wanted, this is okay, because we're sort of cut out of the process but receiving the item. But it's totally legal and you are welcome to do it. So for direct cremation, Cremation rates in our country, almost half, more than half of people are going the cremation route. And in this area, it's even higher. Um, This area, I find people have children who live all over the world. They need flexibility in planning a memorial service down the road, and they need to be able to work with all these different timelines. So it does give you a lot of flexibility. It doesn't mean that you can't have special memorialization, so we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, If you call a really high-end funeral home, you could get quoted maybe $8,000 for a direct cremation. You you don't need to go that route unless you want to go that route. Uh, Normally that high-end cremation would come with access to maybe very nice facilities for holding events. If you really are just wanting disposition handled. You can easily find things that are in the $2,000 to $4,000 range. There's a couple in the area under $2,000. You might have to go out a little bit further. But what can you do to make direct cremation special? Um, My dad technically had a direct cremation, technically. That's on the books. That's what we paid for only. But we had a very special service for him. I want you to know you can do that too. So what can you do to make direct cremation special? If the person is at home on hospice, of course, have a delayed transfer. You can keep them at home. That allows you time to um, do—you could do your own little home wake at home. We can talk about home funerals, how you do that, how you keep that person cool and preserved for the amount of time that you're interested in doing that for. When your person goes to the funeral home for a direct cremation, whatever they're wearing is what they are cremated in. So if you wanna make it feel more special and you're comfortable, take the time to to bathe them, dress them, um, make it feel more personal. It's more of a communal experience that way with your family, if you are able. For people who live far away, or children who want to be involved. You can have them draw pictures and you can tuck notes in your person's pockets. I had one funeral during the heart heart of the pandemic. Um, Everybody lived overseas and this person was here alone and everybody wrote letters. I got letter after letter after letter emailed to me. And when I took that person to the crematory that day, they were blanketed in words and memories from all the people who loved them. So that was a direct cremation, but it was cathartic for the people involved, and it, it felt special. Um, of course, you can create playlists. And I highly recommend if you are at home on hospice that you think about sitting around, eating together, listening to music together, creating a playlist together that then can be used during a funeral service. This is an early embalming photo, a civil war. This is probably, if I had to guess, taken by Matthew Brady, who's buried at Congressional. But um, this would be early embalming, probably using arsenic. We use formaldehyde mostly now. If you are going the traditional funeral route um, and you want an open casket, you want your person embalmed, you want to delay service for a week or two weeks or even longer, this would be something that you would wanna consider. Uh, It became common during the Civil War when soldiers from the North were dying in the South and they were trying to get back home. And then Lincoln did it and then gradually after that it became the thing. And now we're sort of getting away from, do we have to do that thing we've always done? We haven't always done it, but, you know, it, it's, it's been king for a while, and it's still king. In a lot of communities in D.C., that is what people expect, it is what people do, and, you know, that I feel like people need to do what, what they need to do at that time. But you are essentially draining the blood from the body, and you are injecting the arteries with formaldehyde, which then transforms those proteins in your body. It firms them up. It's almost like if you think about frying an egg, you've got this loose protein that is then converted to a firm protein, and that's what embalming does. And it buys you a lot of time. Embalming, sometimes I, I have had to send people back home if they are born from far away and they want to be buried back home. and. It's necessary then, very necessary. I've also seen it very necessary when somebody's been in a tragic uh, accident and you just need to get them back resembling themselves as much as possible and preserved. Um, But there's other options. So whole body donation, and this is different than organ donation, that is those decisions are made at the hospital level, if the hospital determines that you're your person could be um, a good candidate for, for organ donation. That happens at the hospital level. On the personal level, whole body donation could be a form of disposition that you're interested in. This picture is actually from Howard Medical School from a while ago. So body donation is used for medical school study. Um, most of the time, the cost of transportation is covered by the donor organization. So, um, for example, if you die within that state, I should say. Uh, so, if you if you're on the Maryland list for donors, you need hopefully you need to die in Maryland. They don't like taking DC <laughs> bodies, <laughs> but always have a backup plan for whole body donation. Um, if you're planning to die within DC, you know, we all have plans, um, then it's, it's Howard University or um, Georgetown. GW used to do it, but they had to stop that program. Um, so Virginia has a list, Maryland has a list, and then DC has a list. And you would want to register within the area that you expect to die. After donation happens, Your person will be used for medical study, and then eventually, maybe a year, a year and a half later, cremation occurs, um, and you can get cremated remains back. You have to ask for them, but you can get them back. When you register, you would make that decision. So that's a picture of Congressional Cemetery. We're gonna talk a little bit more about what's coming. Water cremation, there's a lot of different words for this. Aquamation, resumation, alkaline hydrolysis, flameless cremation, green cremation. They are all very similar. Um, the person is, is placed in sort of you know, a stainless steel tank. I wish it was more tender looking, but that is really what it looks like. It's mostly water with a, a small percentage of an alkali solution which helps break down the compounds in your body more quickly. Some of these, some of these uh, machines use heat, some use a little bit of pressure, some just use the water and the alkali solution. And it's legal in many, many states in this area. Um, But nobody does it here. No one's doing it in Maryland, DC, or Virginia. It is legal in Maryland. It is not on the books in DC or Virginia. Um, The closest states to us that offer green cremation are really North Carolina. It's huge in Minnesota, Texas, Florida, um, many parts of the country. It's common practice and what funeral homes see is that if they offer people the choice of would you rather have green cremation or traditional fire cremation, they choose green cremation. Uh, there's just a lot more awareness on not polluting the environment as your last act on this earth. So I, this is something I, I believe in wholeheartedly and I am hoping that um, in the very near future, near future that this is an option for people in this area. People are very interested in it. We have a high cremation rate here, and people would much rather be not polluting, not you know, releasing carbon dioxide into the atmosphere uh, if they don't have to. The most famous person to use water cremation most recently was um, Desmond Tutu. That's from last year. So he had a service. He has a nice wooden coffin, which is um, anthropoidal shaped, so it's a more interesting wooden casket than we typically see in the US. So after his service, he was then taken out of that casket and placed in that type of machine that we just discussed for a green cremation. You actually get a little bit more bone back. You get about 20 to 30% more bone. So you get bone just in the end, like you get it with fire cremation. The same thing happens with water cremation and you get more of it because more of you remains. So I want to talk a little bit about home vigils, okay, and I'm going to keep moving here. (laughs) Home funerals, Um, just like there's a, a push for home births, there's also a push for home deaths right now. It works really nicely for somebody who's terminal and for somebody who really, really, really believes in it because it's very hands-on. You are going to be bathing and shrouding your person. You're going to be using ice packs to keep them cool and preserved. And it's almost like a one, two or three day wake. Um, The person in this picture is alive for the record. This was a, a home funeral conference that I went to in New York a few years ago. A great resource is the National Home Funeral Alliance. There are videos, you can watch people hold wakes at home. It is really a lovely, tender experience, but definitely one, I think a lot of people feel like, oh, I could never do that, I could never do that, and then they do it and it's this transformative process and they, there was just such a tenderness and an intimacy at a time that should have just been just sad. It becomes more than that. DC, Maryland, and Virginia never have the same rules for anything, Um, similar, but in Virginia you need to be refrigerated or embalmed 48 hours after death. If you're at home, you're doing the ice packs, you're meeting those requirements. In DC and Maryland, for home funeral families, there's no real requirement for that. DC wants you to be, um, they want disposition to occur within a week. And then if there are contagious diseases, you need to have a physician involved. Green burial. So I've been fortunate to be part of several green burial services at Congressional um, just in the past couple months that I've been there. Uh, is very special in that we, not only do we not make you have a grave liner or a vault. We also don't even require a casket. So your body could just be shrouded, coming to us just shrouded, and then you're hand lowered into the grave by the shroud. That part's a little terrifying for me. <laughs> but it, it works, it works. Um, and so your body's just placed directly into the ground, and that's what always was, until recently. The Green Burial Council, You want to look for cemeteries that are friendly uh, to Green Burial. That would be a great place, a great resource. In the area, we'll talk a little bit about just some of the local options. And then I'm going to end this so you guys have time to answer questions. (laughs) Here is a photo from Congressional. This is our Mayor for Life, Marion Barry, who is buried there. And Congressional is technically a hybrid. So you could come to us embalmed and you could have a stainless steel casket and a and a stainless steel vault and um, we would welcome you and you could also come to us just shrouded and we would welcome you. And that's our beautiful chapel there. Berryville, Virginia. This is a monk-run cemetery just out 66, about an hour. It's probably the closest green burial ground aside from congressional which allows for green burial. This is the closest real green burial ground to DC. Um, it is, this land is consecrated by the Catholic Church. Um, it's the Cistercian monks who, who, um, who are there, but it's open to all faiths and it's beautiful. It is really just beautiful out there. Um, they do allow for a small marker. Some green burial grounds are so green that they don't even want a marker, and I think that's hard for some people, so they do allow a natural marker to be placed. There's another down near Harrisonburg, Virginia, Duck Run Natural Cemetery is an option. It's not as accessible for most people in this area, but if you happen to be comfortable with that area. This reflection park is something I'm so excited about. It's been in the works for a while. north silver spring there will be 40 acres of natural burial ground they are they've been working through the permitting process with the county Um, there's been a lot of water studies done to make sure it's no contaminated drinking water will occur and they keep getting their approvals slowly chipping away so they say they could open by the end of 2022 it seems more like it's probably going to be into 2023 I would get on their wait list if that's something that's interesting to you. Reflection Park, it's, I think it's going to be a good thing for this area. And then I guess the, the most buzzworthy part of disposition that has happened in the past couple of years has been something called natural organic reduction, also called NOR. And this is what people call human composting. It is currently legal in five states. Um, There's lots of legislation on the books in other areas. But this would be, you know, right now we have burial, we have cremation, donation, and this is sort of the next big option. It's pretty fascinating. I mean, your body's placed in a vessel, and this process is just taking advantage of all the natural gut bacteria we have waiting just to break us down the minute we die. So (laughs) it's taking advantage of all of our good microbes, And it uses a little bit of heat regulation, a a lot of aeration, because the oxygen really helps as well. And then they use like alfalfa and straw and wood chips. Your body is placed in this vessel for 30 days with those items. And then in the end, you are transformed into soil. And the soil can be used in your house, your garden. It can also be donated to a local forest. So it'd be neat if something like that came to us soon. So really, that's, oh, OK, we're at the end. All right, that's, those are my kids looking at RBG. Um, they had a front row seat by accident that day. And that's, that's what I had for you so far today. Thanks for having me. So,
0: We have time for, like, literally one or two quick sorry. questions. <laughs> uh, well, this is great. Yes. I just want to say thank you. This is the most amazing thing. My husband died of ALS. He, wanted, he took his own life because he didn't want to go where that disease would take him. And some of these things I experienced and others, it's a good wake up. Thank you.
1: Thank you for sharing that. I'm sorry about your husband.
0: Could you provide access to, uh, for us, to some of the
1: information that you presented in Definitely. Today? Yep. Definitely. Glad to okay. send it to you. Yep.
0: The way that we've done that in the past is if you'll send it to me, okay. Lily, I'll put it on the YouTube video. Okay. Um, if you want to go back and look at it, and then there's information in the bottom that it, we can link to. Yeah. So.
1: Definitely. So if you die in Maryland, can you access the services that you offer at Congressional? Yes. Yes, you can. Yeah. Any local funeral home, anywhere in the metro area, any local funeral home, whether it's a DC funeral home or a Maryland funeral home, anybody could bring you to Congressional.
0: What are the laws about how you can dispose of the ashes?
1: Great question. Um, that is also very state-specific. D.C. is very vague. Maryland has kind of a one-pager. Fits in the water. They almost treat it like a body. They want you to be three nautical miles offshore at a certain depth. Um, if it's in the ground, it depends who owns the ground. This is where I always tell families um discrete scattering is very, very, very common. I don't know if anybody's ever seen the article about Disney World literally has a vacuum cleaner that goes around just to pick up cremated remains because everybody goes there to dispose of them. Um <laughs> I it's bone. I mean it's not gonna hurt. It doesn't hurt anything. We are all molecules just Waiting to be broken down, and it's all going to happen no matter what. So I, I'm a fan of taking a walk to your favorite spot and, you know, doing what you need to do.
0: Lily shared with me um, uh, that she has been doing lots of funerals lately and um, made time for us this week. So truly,
1: thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you.